Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast when a pair of pastor scholars study a scripture passage drawn from the Revised Common Lectionary. We hope that it will be enjoyable and edifying for all, as well as equipping for pastors or teachers who are working on sermons or lessons in the upcoming weeks. I'm your host, John Drury, and my guest this week is Joy J. Moore. Joy is the academic dean at a Luther Seminary in Minnesota and an excellent uh, New Testament scholar and uh, preacher and homiletician. Uh, she's been professor of homiletics at a number of different institutions, uh, including Duke and Fuller, and uh, taught here with me uh, at Indiana Wesleyan University and Wesley Seminary for a little while as well. And I know Joy from uh, uh, conferences uh, like uh, Wesleyan Theological Society and, and as an excellent preacher and a, and a dear friend. And in fact, she was on the show back when we were piloting this uh, on another podcast uh, years and years ago. She was one of the first guests. So she, we've done this before, but it's been way too long since I've had her back on and so excited to have her uh, on the show this week. We're looking at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. That's our text, Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Make sure to subscribe if you're not already, so you never miss an episode. And as you're listening, if you're enjoying the show, hit the share button on your podcast player app of choice so you never miss an episode. Lastly, if you'd like to support the show and thereby receive some additional content, simply go to patreon.com slash fresh text to become one of our patron saints. Thanks for listening and enjoy this conversation with joy. All right, let's hear Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Thanks for reading, Joy. Absolutely. I'll be reading today from the Common English Bible. So hopefully a little bit of a couple of different twists in the line that cause you to lean in and listen. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and his powerful strength. Put on God's armor so that you can make a stand against the tricks of the devil. We aren't fighting against human enemies, but against rulers, authorities, forces of cosmic darkness and spiritual powers of evil in the heavens. Therefore, pick up the full armor of God so that you can stand your ground on the evil day. And after you have done everything possible to still stand. So stand with the belt of truth around your waist, justice as your breastplate, and put shoes on your feet so that you're ready to spread the good news of peace. Above all, carry the shield of faith so that you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is God's word. Offer prayers and petitions in the spirit all the time. Stay alert by hanging in there and praying for all believers. As for me, pray that when I open my mouth, I get a message that confidently makes this secret plain of the gospel known. I'm an ambassador in chains for the sake of the gospel. Pray so that the Lord will give me the confidence to say what I have to say. 
the word of God for the people of God. Yeah, thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we too ask now for the very thing that Paul has invited us to pray for. We pray in the spirit that we, like he, will be given the boldness to proclaim and make plain Hmm. the secret uh, of the gospel, that we may be able to declare it boldly Mm -hmm. with confidence. Lord, as we converse today, we'll have moments of perhaps and moments of, well, being tepid, you know, could be this, could be that, and that's okay. But Lord Joy and I, as uh, one of the one of the gifts of our academic training is that openness and circumspection, and yet one of its uh, one of its vices is to lose that boldness, that confidence, that that clarity. So, Lord, we ask that by your Spirit, we'd also have moments in this mm. hour of just speaking boldly the truth as we have received it. Mm-hmm. Lord, give us discernment for when it's time to be circumspect and when it's time to be confident. Mm-hmm. We trust that your spirit will guide us yes. in these things. For we do not fight against flesh and blood. No, not at all. We love every human. That is what we're called to be, to love every flesh and blood we encounter as we mm-hmm. are becoming the flesh and blood of your son, Jesus. Mm-hmm. No, we fight against principalities and powers. So, may we be equipped as we engage this text, and may those who listen in uh, to our conversation be armored with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We ask this all in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. So, uh, yeah, what do you notice here? Just what's, you know, maybe something you already love about this text or something strange about it or something you notice new today reading the CEB, you know, what's, uh, where do you want to start? You know, this is such a familiar text for me. I, I suspect as many others, uh, as, as was already said uh, at, at the beginning, uh, that uh, w- w- many of us grew up with this in Vacation Bible School. You know, there, uh, there are songs that I think of when I think of this, I'm in the Lord's army, you know, and um, I, I was, this is the book of Ephesians is one of the books that I had to learn to memorize because uh, I, I grew up in a, in a Baptist tradition. And so this is one of those chapters that uh, I had to, to memorize. And so reading it from a new translation, as I did today, causes me in this particular case to really appreciate the NIV translation. So I, I appreciated as you were praying, John, your reference to flesh and blood. I like to put the text always in context. And so I'm going to keep circling around to um, this is the end of, of this, uh, this uh, book. We kind of like it because it, it invites us to, you know, stand strong, stand firm, stand in the truth. We want to shy away from the previous chapters that talk about the relationship between men and women. But if yeah. you ever heard me before, you know that I'm a movie buff. And so, you know, I have to find a movie that this relates to. And uh, for me, this one, I'm struck by the end of the Marvel Universe, the Infinity War and Endgame. 
And uh, as I read this and was thinking about it for this, this podcast, I'm struck by this idea of this is the end game that, or maybe better that this is the infinity war, but it is our end game is that we are prepared for battle. And if you put that in the context of the divisions, who submits to who, who is over and against, it's not against flesh and blood. It's not against the relationship of one flesh, one body, bone of my bone, body of my body. This idea of the previous chapter, we're talking about the relationship that people understood then. People understood marriage, or at least they thought they did. And Paul is dismantling that cultural understanding, that Greek and uh, Greek and Roman system that was practiced in Ephesus, where there's an over-againstness. And so I'm not fighting against in the family. It's not submit to one another so that the head is the person that is, you know, the oppressor and you just do whatever they say. It's there's a bigger war going on. There's a bigger battle being fought. There's something else going on. And the only way that we can come together, let me go back to the Marvel Universe, is to not be in this civil war. So for those movie fans, they know that was a movie before. Nice. Yeah, when, yeah, when, yeah, the whole, yeah. uh, when all the Avengers were split, divided, and they were trying to figure out who's right. Yeah. But in order to get to the end game, Man against woman, children against parents, slaves yeah. against. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that I entire caste system, that entire casting class system of ancient Greek and Roman society, which is is a caste system of slave and free. It's a caste system of male versus female. It's a caste system of ethnic identity. We know it as Jew and Gentile, and. I'm going to breathe here because that takes me all the way back to the beginning of Ephesians, where you have to ask yourself, Paul begins talking about us, and we read the book as if Paul is writing to, you know, Marion, Indiana today, or or writing to, you know, St. Paul, Minnesota today, where I am. But if we read it back in context, Paul begins the letter, and, and the you are the ones that are the people of promise, the children of God who are to be a blessing for all the nations. And so that you are the Jews. And then uh, I keep saying that, that you. No, it's the we and then the you that he switches to in what? Chapter one, verse maybe Uh, 12 uh, or so. Yeah, 12 or so where he says you also. Yeah. And then he goes back and says, we you know, he says, you were caught in the world. And then he mm-hmm. says, we also, yeah. which means that the Jews are just as caught in this cultural battle as the Gentiles, but both in Christ become one body. And, and then from there, we get this story of let's end this civil war and let me use this analogy of the family because they get that they get that structural system but paul is deconstructing the caste system and saying how a true relationship works is that the husband loves the wife 
in a a self-sacrificing way, the way Christ loved the people of God. And now we're ready to enter into this infinity war because the civil wars are over. And, and I, can, I can say so much more about that, but I'll, I'll breathe. I promised I would breathe. <laughs> yeah, well, we may spend the whole hour talking Marvel and I'm okay with that. Uh, just finished Loki last night. Uh, <laughs> but, That's uh, my weekend. Now that it's all, all here, I can <laughs> binge it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Wow, that's really good. So yeah, he does these household codes in late chapter five and early six. And what I'm hearing you say is, and I agree that these are subtly subversive of, of these codes, kind of turning them on their head. And then the way that that flows then in, in a way, all, all that we, you've shared is a commentary on the first line, which is finally, or as for the rest, you know, that this is kind of the last beat in a sequence of a narrative. Yeah, it's that there's a closer link between this armor of God passage and not only the immediately preceding material on mutual submission and self-giving love, uh, but the whole book of Ephesians, you know, that which the first half really focused on the the Jew Gentile dynamic, but there are other over againstnesses as you named them. Gegenstandlichkeit is. <laughs> I'm gonna German. let you do the Greek. I'm the Greek. <laughs> No, that's, that's a that's a germanism the gegenstand which is often translated object okay um is See, or objectivity <laughs> it's it's but it's over against yeah, right yeah. that's the word so something that's over against you that's right. why objectification is a problem it's pushing it's, something as over against mm-hmm. to find a, apart from so yeah this like this objectifying this subjugating this splitting on all these different lines, the Jew Gentile one being the core one, because, you know, that's the one ethnic division that you could perceive as divinely willed, because in some sense it is not mm-hmm. as an ethnic division, but as right. a covenantal people intended to include all others in the blessing. So that's the biggie. You got to crack that one. And then all the others kind of crack with it is I think at least how Paul sees things. Exactly. Um, From Genesis 12, there's this moment where the uh, what I call the prologue to the story, you know, uh, N.T. Wright talks about the five act play, you know, and, and so that in that in that those first 11 chapters, we find out that there is a God and this God's intention for creation has always been good and, and that God has created humanity to bear God's image in the flesh and humanity keeps walking out of this story God is writing, and God keeps editing the story. And we get to chapter 12, and as you said, this covenantal division is set up. And what we miss is that the creation of the descendants of Abraham and Sarah is for the sake of all of those scattered tribes. Okay, And so that's the setup. And now Christ has come. You know, we fast forward. We've we've watched all the prequel movies. Christ has come. And Paul, who was Jew among Jews, gets it. And now he's writing saying, the blessing for all the nations is available. And the we is not just the people of my heritage. The we are all the world that Christ died for. And so he begins saying, 
Let's talk about the Jews so that the Jews can realize that this good news is for the world. And the way that it shows up, as you said, John, most evidently, there's Jews and everybody else because it's the Jews' stories, right? So it's Jews and everybody else. And Paul is saying it's everybody because in Christ, we have this new agenda. And it's the same agenda. The tempter in the beginning is still the enemy. Okay, I'm going to switch movies here. And for folks who watched uh, The Hunger Games, what was the line that was told to Katniss at the end when the the Civil War was broken? They were in that final um, Hunger Games where all of the old tributes were brought back. Yeah, some people are going to go out to see this movie or read the book for that. But the the line... Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Yeah, Remember who the enemy is. And I think that's what chapter yes, six is saying. That's right. It's oh, not that's so crucial right after these household codes. Exactly. Not, it's not the flesh and blood of husband and wife. It's not the flesh and blood of mom and dad, children and parents. It's not even not the even. flesh and blood of one ethnic group over another ethnic group or one social class over another social class, which Roman and Greek society that the church in Ephesus would have been so comfortable with. Paul is dismantling that system and saying, no, remember who the enemy is. We are to be a called out people, not the Levites called out priestly class, Mm. not Israel called out children of God, not Jews against everybody else in the world, But in Christ, Mm -hmm. we are the blessing for all the world. And so the battle is against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's against the principalities, the codes of caste and class and oppression. And my, when I say that, isn't that exactly the end game we're in in 2021? Oh my heavens. Yes. And boy, it's so crucial. Now, all of a sudden I never noticed it. Verse 12 for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, right? Mm -hmm. This is, this is the final we of the whole book, which opened in this game of we and you and us and I playing those off each other. Uh, Now he comes to the end and the we has been resolved. This is one we and then God so linked with the world. Right. And against, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, which why I like that. I mean, I, I always appreciate a alternative translations, but why that old, I mean, that's King James, man. That's yeah. very old. Yeah. Why I like that is when we, when we hear flesh and blood, this is the language of family, tribe, ethnicity, yes. race, yes. right? We talk about the bloodline. We talk about the color of one's flesh. This is so that that makes those connections yes. clear. And that's yeah. not just reading into it. It's the whole structure of the that's book around the, the Gentile. This is the structure of scripture. Yep. So it's not about a flesh and blood division. In fact, we are, and flesh and blood in particular are the language of life and death. And so he said back in chapter two, in one body through the cross, right? So it's body that comes through the death, the death of this one Jew who's now risen and seated in the heavenlies. And it's not that the Judah-Gentile distinction was a, a, a joke. God meant it, but it's been fulfilled. It's been deactivated because it has been fully 
actualized, you know, in Christ. He's Jewish in us for all of us so that you and I joy as, as a black and a white Gentile, right? Are included. Neither of us are the Jew in this dynamic. We're both the Gentiles being caught into, and it's not flesh and blood don't matter. It's like there is a flesh and blood. It's the flesh and blood of this one body. Yes. It's being created. We so we are fighting against yes. these principalities and powers. So remember who the enemy is. Man, that's so good. Let's take a quick break and keep uh, digging in. All right. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with my guest, uh, Joy Moore, already having a great time talking with the scriptures uh, with you. So we're looking at Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20. I'll just read it afresh so it's uh, fresh in our ears. Actually, we'll just zoom in on uh, on the famous armor of God passage, uh, 14 through, well, we'll start it with 13. So 13 through 17. 17? I'll just read that. Yeah, Excellent. does that sound good? Okay. So therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to, (laughs) how should we translate that? Stand against? (laughs) Yeah. Stand against (laughs) on the evil day. And having done all things to stand. Now, 14, stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of justice and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all things, take up the shield of trust with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is the word of God. Yeah. Thanks be to God. All right. So like you said, we, at least you and I growing up in the church grew up with this, uh, this imagery, but let, let's just go through the the gist of the whole structure as well as some of the pieces. What interests you here? What what are some of your insights into this uh, particular imagery? I'm going to lean into the text, so I really appreciate you reading that that portion and starting with 13 because the first thing that that just sticks out for me, and again, like you just said, this is what I was taught, you know, as a as a child to put on the full armor of God. You know, it's it's not enough just to have one piece. And we, we like to divide and say, you know, well, if I've got this, if, if I've got the Bible, I'm good. Or if I'm saved, and I'm, I'm going to re- redefine that idea of salvation, but if I'm saved, I'm good. If I'm fruitful, I'm good. If I practice justice, I'm good. But Paul is real specific here in saying, put on the 
full armor of God. You know, the way the image we were given is that so that all of you are covered. You know, if, and if I go back to the movies, you know, um, when um, you're looking at, uh, I, I just watched Mandalorian. And, and when you're looking at him, you know, it, it, the idea is, you know, no one should see your face, but he's covered. And as he builds his armor, you know, each piece makes him more close to being invincible. And that's what is being described here in this ancient text is what it is that makes us able to stand against evil in the world. And and so first thing that sticks out for me is put on the full armor. And, And what that means is that what is buckled around our waist, to use the New International Translation, is the belt of truth. And for me, that image is um, you, you put around your waist is kind of midpoint. The truth is the center there. It holds up your, your, your trousers and it tucks in your blouse or your shirt, right? You know, and, and so it's holding up and it's tucking in. And what is it? It is, it is this truth. And the breastplate of righteousness, which, which we know that word, it's the word of justice. You know, in, in our 21st century reality, we, we like to talk about practicing justice, but it's just good old Wesleyan holiness. It's just God's righteousness. And what does it look like? Well, in the 21st century vocabulary, it looks like justice. And I think we in the, that are followers of Christ need to own that, that you're not going to have good without God. You're not going to have justice without Jesus. And you're not going to have righteousness or rightness without righteousness. So we we can't fight against it and saying, oh, no, we're losing something. No, the only way the world is going to get what it's seeking is if we point them to the one who promised it. This is the promise of the creator God, which has always been a promise of good for us. And so that breastplate of righteousness is, you know, central again. And then our feet are fitted with the readiness that comes with the good news of peace. I'm going to push back against your reading where you said stand against. Because each of the other words was stand. And I think we live, as we talked in the first session, in such an over against world that our problem is, is we want to know what are we standing against or worse, who are we standing against? And, and you know what? If we stand in this good news of peace, our enemies we'll find they belong in the circle standing right next to us. If we stand against, then what we do is we can't find peace. We can't offer the good news of peace because we're standing in a position of war. So I I love the fact that what is repeated here over and over again is stand, stand firm, having done all, stand, because we are standing in this good news We are standing in this promise, and it isn't over against. It's a promise of peace. 
That's good news. Oh, that's good. Let's pause on that since yeah. you critique my translation. <laughs> just teasing. I'll just say one thing. So you're right. Stand appears three times, but one time with this this uh, prefix on it. Mm-hmm. So you get you get stete in fourteen. At the end of thirteen, you have stainai to mm-hmm. stand, mm-hmm. and then earlier in thirteen, it's anti stainai. Right, ah, stand yeah. against, and the usual translations is withstand, which places us in defense. Yeah. So the only reason I, I put it in the other stand against is to say we're not just defending ourselves against the forces of evil, but you know attacking them too because these are not all defensive pieces of armor. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, but I agree with you, and the only reason to say stand against is because I'm in complete agreement with everything you said is this earlier point that you said, and this would be relevant in a, in a preaching context, teaching context that we do not stand against each other. Exactly. Right. We stand together, but we do stand against something against the principalities of this world, not the princes, not the people they could be transformed too. Yes. Um, But, uh, but against these invisible forces. Right. And I think there is this, I knew you yeah. would remember that front part. <laughs> That's yeah. So I without said. without that front part, then the language of stand against in thirteen is just reinscribing the same old thing, right? Exactly. But if if we can take that and say that there is this desire, the the standing over against that we have between us is a distortion of a true human good, a capacity to fight, but to fight the devil, not to fight each other. Right. Amen. And, and the devil's move is to get us to fight each other. Amen. I mean, the, the, okay. But it's not fighting that's wrong. It's not fighting that's wrong. No, it's who we it's fight who. against. That's right. Yeah. There's a great line from one of the desert fathers and mothers who I study a lot from the early centuries. And, and they have, there's this great line where it, cause they talk a lot about getting control of pleasure and getting control of anger, mm. uh, epithumos and thumos in, mm-hmm. uh, in, yeah. in the Greek or desire and ire. But then there's, and, and I'm reading, so this is an Evagoras and I'm reading along and it, it sounds like he's saying basically like desire and ire are like these icky things that we should be ashamed of. Then he gets to this point and says, God in his providence has given us desire that we may pursue the good things, right? So it's not the desire's wrong. It's that it gets disordered, misdirected. And God has given us ire to fight against the demons, Hell, Which is a great line, right? So we have the capacity for anger and with and Thumos also gives us courage mm-hmm. and hope. So courage, hope, and anger are the kind of features of that ire. And those are not evil. And sometimes we get this way in church where we think like, oh, I'm, oh, I was angry. That was a sin. No, it's in your anger. Do not sin, not sin equals anger, right? Yeah. And what then, is and the that, anger for? It's to get angry at the devil, <laughs> not each other, and, not each other. And what a powerful line, as you just said, in your anger. You know, that's basically saying, be angry, another translation, but do not sin. Exactly. From the psalm and, and then quoted here in, in Ephesians, back in it's, what, chapter four or four. five? Uh, yeah. One of them. Okay. I never know my zip codes. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. First half, second half is all I care about with Ephesians, right? It's, it's, like, it's in clearly in two halves. So exactly. if you get it in the right half, you're good. Just set up. <laughs> And then let's get to the end game. Yeah. yeah. So that was on peace. And I love that. And, and, and I was going through trying to list the, the five, it's five elements. And if I were to just summarize in one word, it's obviously truth, righteousness, faith, and then the word. 
Mm-hmm. I was trying to decide, is it the gospel of peace or is it the gospel of peace? And I think your instinct is right to emphasize peace because of course he could actually put the word gospel in here with all of them. It's the gospel of truth. It's yeah. the gospel of righteousness. Paul even yeah. uses those phrases elsewhere. Yeah. 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 So obviously the word gospel could be inserted here. So I don't think this is necessarily the, the evangelism one. This is, this yeah. is the yeah. peace is the emphasis here. Yeah. Yeah. Is yeah. That, is that resonate yeah. with your reading? That, that's it. And that's why I say the good news, because I, I translate it over and over again. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when, we get familiar with this gospel. It has a churchy context. It gets fixed like it, a presentation of the gospel or something uh-huh. like that. And, and the way this would have been understood is what is the good news in an oppressive caste class over against system of us versus them of master over slave of man over wife. What's the good news here? And the good news is that it's not over against. The good news is, the truth is, the good news is righteousness, justice. So I, I agree with you that, that you could put gospel before each of these. And what does that gospel look like? And again, I'll say it's the full armor. You know, one of the the divisions we sometimes have in the United Methodist Church and in Wesleyan conversations is, you know, am I saving your soul or am I saving you in this life? And I think Ephesians is a perfect example that Paul isn't saying, wait until you die to experience this peace. Paul is saying this promise is for now and we live my words, a glimpse, my words that are a translation of Stanley Harwas's translation of John Yoder, um, that we live as a glimpse of what God intends to do with all the world when Christ returns. So we don't end with the resurrection. We hold this promise that we are in the infinity war, if I use that movie language, that, that this isn't the end of it. but we do have this battle, to use this armor language, that we have to be ready for and engaged in here and now in order to get to the promise where every knee, every tongue, every tribe, all those divisions that the ancient culture practice that Paul dismantles, which are still practiced today in the 21st century that we as a church need to demonstrate a dismantling of. Every knee, every tongue, every tribe will be able to say, the God made known in Jesus is God alone. That, that's the ultimate promise. And that's the peace that comes. That's the justice. That's the truth we see. And, and this is our faith. I, yeah. I'm even moving beyond that to, to what did I stop before? At, oh, yeah, uh, I, I, I stopped you. It's my fault. I got defensive. Uh, yeah, no, I, no, I, I didn't. I'm it. Yeah, no, 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 no. I called you out. Come on. I had yeah, to no, little, it was good. It was good. In our life, right? You know? Oh, yeah, I always, but, get, but I always what, get mad when my guests don't disagree with me. I always want to have a little argument. You know? I got to try. You know, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and because I'm not going to play with the language, I know you're going to get me, fix me right. <laughs> but but what what is our faith here? What, what is it? It's a shield. 
Yeah, say more about that. Our confidence is the shield, our, our confidence in what God is doing. That That's faith, it, is that I believe the promises of God. I believe that what God has been doing, and that's why I started the, at the beginning by saying the, the beginning of the story, the prologue, that the opening act sets the scene for the entire rest of the script, that God has never given up on on creating a good place for creation. And and Sam Wells puts it this way. He said, God has given humanity a playground with purpose. And our purpose is to bear the image of God. And in this context, the image of God is the promise of peace. The image of God is the practice of righteousness. The image of God is good in a very bad world. And when we have as our confidence, this shield that before us is my little body back here is holding to this promise. And that's what's protecting me. My confidence in this promise, the shield of faith. It it is this confidence that God is faithful, that God is honest, that God will keep God's promise, no matter how long the delay is. I mean, when, when you're watching a movie, I, 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 I think if we were recording when you said you just finished watching Loki, and I said, I can watch it now because I can binge it, because the delay between the weeks is an eternity for me going, what happened That just next? kills you, huh? <laughs> yeah. And that's where we are right now. We're living in the delay. With yep. this confidence. And faith has that eschatological sense for yes. Paul always, right? Always. Or also in the book of Hebrews where it's, you know, by faith and then it's, these are promises and they didn't see the fulfillment of the promise. They got a foretaste. They had, you know, they had something. It's not like it's nothing. Like you're saying earlier, you don't delay all the righteousness to the end, but you also don't expect all that righteousness to happen now either, right? It's righteousness by faith. Right. And so, and this is that same root word for just justification comes from this word righteousness or justice to Kasune. And we're justified by faith, which means until we can see the justice, we got to hold on to the promise. What I'm hearing you say. And so we tell these stories of the past, you know, Paul begins in sharing the faith of the Jews with the Gentiles So the faith of the Jews, this ancient faith of this particular group of people who bear a particular witness to God, they bear the witness of God before time as we know it. You know, the good news doesn't start with the promise made to Abraham and Sarah. Before Abraham and Sarah, God is. And God has made this promise to all the world. And God has preserved that promise in the stories of the descendants of Abraham and Sarah. So we tell those stories of the past. So we recognize where God shows up in the presence. We recognize the glimpses of God's grace that give us a confidence that God's promise ultimately will be fulfilled in entirety. And, and so that, that, you know, we're waiting for that fullness we're living 
in glimpses because our, our, our protection, our shield is God's faith, faithfulness. And that's where we put our trust. Well, that'll preach. This is already so good. Just one minute before we take a break. Uh, anything you want to say about the fifth item, the sword of the spirit, which is word of God? Yeah, I think that's perfect to, to lean into, you know, so what do I do with this? Because the word is, you know, not just um, spoken, but it is a compelling word to be lived out. So for the word of God to be that, what is the word, that offensive weapon, the sword, you know, what, what does that mean? I, and, you know, the, the sword that cuts both ways the sword of the spirit becomes right. That, the two-edged sword and the two-edged sword. Right. Hebrew. I forgot about that. Yeah, that that we wield against. Right. So this is this isn't the shield. This isn't defending. This is what is active. And so the word, the word is to be lived out. It is the story we tell that compels us to live a unique life. So. I thought you were cutting us off there because we were going to. No, no, you're good. No, no. And we're sword. I'm remembering back to flesh and blood, right? Because of Hebrews four, the, it can cut through even bone and marrow. Yes. That, but, but he's reminding us, okay, this isn't, don't use the word of God as a weapon against each other. That's exactly what he's warning against. Many of his Jewish brethren have fallen into this trap or, or more particularly his Gentile brethren who have gotten too excited about, Jewish doctrines and rules and thinking that now this is a new way to hold it over their fellow Gentiles. Cause it, right, right. Paul, Paul's not always uh, schooling fellow Jews. He's often schooling Gentiles who become enamored with Jewish law as a, as another mode of division, you know? Yes. Yes. Um, so, so shaped by the culture that establishes those castes. And right. Right. And so Paul then they is- go read the Torah and turn the Torah into one more game of, of Greco-Roman class warfare. Exactly. Exactly. I always like to mention that because I don't want us to fall into a, you know, a kind of anti-Semitism where the Jews are the cause of all the problems. You know, it's, it's, an, it's an abuse of the intent of the law. Absolutely. Not even always by Jews, some often by Gentiles too. Yeah. Thank and so, so, but this word of God's not going to cut, you know, through the flesh and blood. Right. Not and and it's not the word used as a weapon. Yeah. 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 It's more like a a a surgical tool, if you use that that cutting image. Yeah. Uh, Surgery is hard because what you are doing is healing by this act of violence. Yeah. You know, it's this is about discernment then. It's about the language of sword of the spirit spirit that by the word of God, we discern rightly divide the word of God, as it says in Timothy, we're discerning between and in, in each other and in our own self, we're learning to discern between our own flesh and blood, which is to be loved and embraced and the principalities and powers that, that are of course at work in all of us. So like that's subtle drawing us. Yes. Oh, that's a very good way of seeing it. There's a precision here. Not thinking yeah. of this as hacking. It's not an axe. No, it's, it's a not. Sword. It's a, you, yeah. you know, so I have no experience at all with um, sword fighting, but what I do know about it is more this elegance, you know, of, of, you know, a class in, in, in college, 
you know, where where you learn these moves, not what we see in these, you know, these stories of, you know, the people that are just warriors. I, I, I like to think of it. And that's why that precision comes in, because it's almost elegant. Yeah, and it's elegant and it's close range. You notice there's not a there's not a bow and arrow here. We're not made right. by an archer. We're not right. trying to f- go look for the devil and kill him at a distance. It's that's like right. Yeah. Where it's when these principalities and powers are up in your face, up close and that you need to discern and carefully excise discerning between flesh and blood on the one hand and principalities on the other in our communities and not assigning them to certain people. It's not that these people are the flesh and blood and these people are the principalities and powers. No, we're all flesh and blood. Right. Oh, this is so good. I've learned so much from you, Joy. Let's take a quick break and explore a few sermon starters before we go. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with my guest, uh, Joy Moore, and we're looking at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Let me just read it one more time. This will be from the NRSV at uh, Joy's request, although I agree that's a nice sort of uh, midway between uh, the CEB at the top and my weird wooden uh, version mixed with ESV and King James and all the other things. So here's NRSV, kind of a dynamic uh, uh, equivalence middle option. So finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, Take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on the day of, on that evil day and having done everything to stand firm, stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness as shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace with all these. Take the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Pray also for me. So that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly as I must speak. The word of God. Thanks be to God. So let's explore some sermon starters. We've already pitched a bunch of stuff, but, but <laughs> there's a lot in there. There's a lot to work with here. So let's let's just bring it on home with what is one last little insight or one one word of advice you'd offer to those who might be preaching or teaching this text, maybe things to avoid or things to aim for or ways to respond. What 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 do you want to add here at the end? 
So I'm going to start with the text where we were uh, just at the end, that Paul is asking folks to call in the spirit out to God that he might be able to boldly proclaim this mystery. And um, whenever I'm talking to my students about their sermon preparation, I always say prayer is the attitude and prayer is not a simple few words that we say to God, you know, with pen in hand or, you know, about to read the text. But prayer is an attitude of openness to listening to God. In it, it, Paul says here, every time, uh, in every prayer and supplication. And, and I want to remind us that prayer, that to pray is an old English word that means to converse. So they used to simply say, pray thee tell, right? And, and so I, I want to remind us of that what Paul is saying here is talk to God on my behalf. And I want to want to invite every preacher as they're preparing their sermon to be in this attitude of prayer. And then the other piece is to keep the text in this larger context that you've set up in your audio, uh, uh, in your guest as you've gone through the book of Ephesians. And as I try to do, as we set up these sections to not just take our favorite text of the armor and kind of work through the word study, but to actually put it back into the context of an ancient world that was as divided by caste and class and systemic practices of over-againstness, of oppression, of trying to figure out who's right and who's wrong, whether that's by race or by ethnicity or nationality or by political party or by what college you graduated from or you know what team you we 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 fall into that culture that system of over againstness and that to have that in one's mind when one is preparing to preach on this chapter because i think the spirit will help the preacher to discern at that point that i'm not preaching a text to say who the bad guy is and to use right, a, right. a, a 54-pound Bible. The exact opposite It's the, the message of this. The context of what Paul is saying here is we have become you so that you and we are now us. And it is oh, that's totally great. against everything of the ancient Roman and Greek cultural practices that the church in Ephesus were so comfortable with. And I know that sounds like I'm saying be political, but I'm naming the fact that this isn't political in the sense of the divisions we talk about today. This is a community, a polos, a called out community, the assembled believers, the body of Christ. And so what are we fighting against? We're fighting against the evil system of the, the true enemy, the evil one, the tempter, who would lure us into the practices of our culture. And when we say, I reject those practices, I need the good news of God's promise. I need the uniqueness of God's justice. I need the specificity of God's peace, I need the confidence that God is faithful. 
And that is going to be countercultural. I don't care what zip code you're living in. I don't care what identity you modify yourself as. The challenge of this book is to modify our identity by our baptism. As ambassadors of Christ, as ambassadors of Christ, we speak against the culture. And that's going to get you in trouble if you preach this truthfully. And that would be the challenge that I would say for any preacher preparing. What the Spirit calls you to discern, avoid it being that person on that side of the sanctuary or that person on that side of the vote or that person on that side of the country. Yeah, partisan politics. Partisan politics. That just divides. But it's still politics. You it can't is. avoid you can't I mean, the avoid. word gospel is a political word. It's it its use in their time was yes. the proclamation of uh the coming of a ruler. I mean, this oh. is and all these terms, justice, peace, these are political terms in the broad sense of that concept of a because polis, that's what of a city, that's of a what, community. Yeah. Because that's what Rome promised. They promised peace. They promised Pox, security. Pax Romana. Pax, Pax Romana. Romana. That's what they and, promised. And just like, I'm going to get in trouble for this one. You, you might it. have to take this out. But no. just like our government keeps trying to promise us peace, if our government, if any government, if the Roman government in, in ancient times could have promised peace, we would have had it by now. That's why we live in this faith of when Christ returns. That's why we are ambassadors, as Paul says. That's why we are ambassadors for a new ruler that is not of this earth. And I know I am out of Ephesians, but. That's great. But that's the one that is to come. No, I think that's clearly the language of ambassador. That's a political term. It is. Right. That we're being sent forth. To say, hey, th- this is this is the new lordship that's coming. Yes, it's already been declared. It's yes. already in existence, but yes. it's still emerging. Yeah. And uh, and guess what? Everyone can be included. All flesh and blood are included within this freedom of this one Lord. Yeah, you, you mentioned earlier. I think when we were talking about uh, the the last, the the sword of the spirit, that this is eschatological. Mm -hmm. And the temptation in the first century, not unlike the temptation for ancient Israel, when they went to uh, Samuel and said, we want to be like the other nations. We want a king. We want to be like Gentiles. Goyim. Yeah. Yeah. We want a king. We want a leader. You know, it's, it's, it's when... Moses was on retreat talking to God, giving the laws, and they said, make us an image like the Egyptians have so we can yes. see our liberator. That is our temptation today, to believe that we can have governmental peace, to believe that we can have justice without Jesus, to believe that there is a way to get community, to get unity, to get truth, to get liberty, to get security in a way that doesn't go through the cross. And and that's the hard part. We are still a called out people. We are ambassadors for a new ruler. And we only see glimpses of that. And that's where we keep our faith. 
in the evidence of God that brought Jew and Gentile together in the first century. Where is that evidence today? Where is our enemies becoming family? That's that's circling all of this language of Ephesians. How do we read that as we prepare to preach this text? Because that will make the last chapter the good news of the book of Ephesians. That's great. Well, I can feel three movie clips. For the first first three verses, you're going to have a scene from Civil War, Infinity War, right? So the division come together. And then for the middle section, a scene from the Mandalorian yes. right? for the armor. Yes. Right. And maybe, maybe, maybe this is cheesy, but it, it matters to me. Two options for okay. the final bit. Okay. One is there is that, I mean, again, it's a cheesy Christian movie, but it's pretty well made. Have you seen war room? I have not. I know. Yeah, it, so and I haven't seen it. It's really powerful. Okay. I mean, you. you know, cheesy Christian movie, you can't get away from it, but, but, you know, there's not a lot of good secular stuff on prayer, you know, okay. it's a, the notion that, and it's war room is this, 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 uh, elderly, uh, you know, old saint of the church. I know who, the story. Okay. Mm-hmm. She's got her war room, which is her prayer closet and where she, you know, and, and maybe to end I, the thought, cause this armor of God could get people all whipped up for like culture war. Right. Right. And to end with the notion that, that our battle, because it's not against flesh and blood, means the greatest mode of attack we have is prayer, yes. right? And to really end on that, because notice it's sort of the spirit, and then the very next line, praying in right. the spirit, right? And most translations, because Paul's sentences are ridiculously long, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's possible this prayer. is just a continuing of the sentence, right? Almost okay. uh praying at all times right yes Uh, so there's no conjunction there there's no therefore it could be that you're wearing all this stuff because the verbs have been take 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 on right right fasten take on put on so you get clothed and then what is your activity there's actually no verbs of activity up to that point you don't wield the sword what's the activity prayer Prayer. so put on the armor god and then what do we do? We pray, yeah. right? And to have a season of prayer. I think if I were to preach in this text, I would in, I would start from the end and say, okay, we're going to have a, a long time of prayer together as a community. Yes. Praying for each other, praying together, praying some priestly prayer, and then work back and make sure my sermon's not so long that we don't have time to culminate in a moment of prayer, a, to- a, a lengthy time of prayer, because that would help to get that principalities in focus, right? Yes. Because that means we're in over our heads Yes. without this armor and without the, and it implies that most of the offensive work is being done by God, not by Amen. us. Because right? most so, of it, they, it is, I, I, I checked again. I, we missed one helmet of salvation. My bad. I said five oh. or six, <laughs> but four out of six are defensive materials, belt, breastplate, Shield helmet. Those are all. I believe I let you skip over a helmet because salvation. My is bad. Yeah. <laughs> and then the shoes are, since it's linked with gospel, that's get it. That's when the war ends. Who runs home and tells the good news that the it, war's over? It's over. And the sword is the only offensive weapon, but it's it's a close range weapon. Right. 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 So it's both right. offense and defense. It's not and a it's distance the word. Weapon. It's the witness. It's right. the testimony to the God who is active. 
team. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So then it's, and, yeah. And, and so my it's devotion, all about God's action. Yeah. It's all about God's action. So if I, I jump in, because I always like to pair scripture back and forth, my devotions, uh, where I am right now in my daily devotions is the moment of Jehoshaphat. And that battle that they're about to enter in, that prayer, Jehoshaphat prayer, prays where he says, we don't know what to do, but we know what you have done. And then the very next portion is this total sense of, we need you to do something again. Because we, we have a clue. And, and that's what you just described, Paul. I, I, I think we forget just how much what we call the Hebrew scriptures is the imagination of the writers of the New Testament. You know, so I absolutely, I start- and, and this is the way to bring that in. I think best, yeah, is right here at the end with this prayer thing. One thing, this is we could maybe end with this. I'd recommend our listeners, if you're for your personal study or if you're preaching or teaching this, to go through and find some of these great battle prayers yeah. in the scriptures, yes, and sort of insert them in here as a way to give us some language for this. Right, that could be really powerful because yep. the battle. It's not ours. It right. belongs to the Lord. Yep. Yep. So you got Moses with his arms being held up in that first battle in, in the desert. You've got mm-hmm. the God of angel armies in the, the, in the Elijah, Elisha story. There'd be a number of really powerful ones yes. and a few Psalms as well that would fit it. Oh, absolutely. Psalms. Yeah. Absolutely. And then well, Jehoshaphat, they go to pray, they go to worship and their enemies take care of each other. And when they turn yes. back, there's no war to be, you know, and isn't right. that the news? And that's, the a, resurrection, and that's a, re- yeah, the that's a recurring pattern yes. right? that God gets them to kill each other, yeah. which is exactly what's happening. These principalities and powers, they're going to turn on each other. You they're don't have to kill them. them. No. God's going to confound their minds. Yes. Yeah. And, and Jesus has already demonstrated in the resurrection, God has demonstrated in Jesus that God ultimately has power over the greatest of the enemies. Right, because these principalities and powers are in the heavenlies, as it says. But where is Christ seated? In the heavens. He's already reigning over them. Already. Yeah. The war has already been won. There's just a few more battles. That's That's right. right. We've seen the last movie. Yep. But we, we understand now, so we go and watch the series one more time. Because now that we watch in, we catch the little details. That's what we're doing now. We're catching the little details. I love it. Joy, you're the best. You know what? No pressure, Joy, but sometime uh, I need to have you back on a bonus episode and we should just geek out about movies for an hour. Oh, <laughs> no text. It's like, <laughs> let's, let's do that, okay? <laughs> let's do it. Let me watch Loki and I'll, I'll love it. Love it. <laughs> Not to pressure you to promise to come back while recording. That's pretty, that's pretty, uh, pretty, pretty tricksy. Yeah, I, I like your style. That, that was sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much, Joy, for your time. I appreciate it a bunch. Thanks to our listeners as always. Uh, thanks for listening and getting the word out. Uh, thanks to Todd and Eric uh, for their production work, especially Todd and all the work he does. I can't imagine doing this without you, man. Yeah, thanks, uh, especially to our patron saints who support the show. Uh, if you want to l- support the show in some manner, go to patreon.com slash fresh text and find ways that you can get some extra content, including bonus episodes like one maybe with joy someday. With that, we say have a good preach and a great week. Bye bye. <laughs>